Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast, a very special edition. Here as we wrap up what was a busy week for the Pacers organization. Began earlier in the week when the Pacers made a pair of trades. First up, as part of a three-team deal, they're acquiring another hometown guy. But they send one out as well. Jeff Teague coming in from Atlanta as George Hill will be sent to Utah. And Utah sent its number 12 pick to Atlanta. In doing so, the Pacers get more of a true point guard that they have long desired. I'm not talking about the last couple years, but really last decade or so. They really have not had that true point guard. And yes, Jeff Teague, a Pike product, is not just a true point guard. And there's not too many of those left anymore. Guys have to be more dynamic. Guys are asked to do more. And Jeff Teague is a scoring guard, but he can also distribute the ball very well. And I keep going back to something that the Pacers have talked about a lot here in the last few months, and that's having playmakers. They want to have playmakers on this team that can contribute more so than just Paul George. If they add versatility amongst the roster, guys that can do various things, and adding Jeff Teague to this starting lineup, the Pacers get their point guard uh, for the next several years, likely. His contract is the exact same as George Hill, just $8 million per year. Now, because of a trade bonus, it'll cost a little bit more. But the structure of his deal is roughly the same, and so that's why it made the deal so easy to make. And then there will certainly work to get a contract extension there with Jeff Teague. The next day, the Pacers traded out of the NBA draft. They traded out, sending their 20th pick to Brooklyn, which ultimately became Michigan's Karis LeVert. And they did that in order to get veteran power forward Thaddeus Young, a guy that hasn't been on too many winning teams. He was on Philadelphia and then this past year with the Brooklyn Nets. And he's a player that you want to have in your locker room. I've talked to a couple guys that have dealt with him a lot. He's a hard-nosed player. He plays his butt off, and he's a guy that uh, works well, gets along with everyone in the locker room. He's also a veteran, and and you like to have the veteran presence. And he's got a very cap-friendly deal For the next couple years, the third year is a player option. I think it is, though, important for me to point out, for maybe the casual fan more than any, that those two trades that I discussed, those are not official yet. Jeff Teague is not a pacer yet, officially. Those teams are waiting until July to complete the deals for salary cap purposes. You see, the fiscal season for the National Basketball Association ends in June and the new one begins July 1, hence the start of free agency. So shortly into July, that's when those two deals for the Indiana Pacers will be completed. And then we'll see Jeff Teague and Thad Young both introduced as Indiana Pacers. Here's Pacers general manager Kevin Pritchard. It's important for us to have players that make plays for themselves, but also make plays for other players. And 
because of that, um, I think we accomplished that. You know, I don't, I don't think we're done. You know, we got to get to July 1 and start talking about free agency and going out into the market. And that's going to be a hyper-competitive uh, situation. So now the Pacers have two more pieces to their starting lineup locked in, essentially. Jeff Teague at point guard, Thaddeus Young at power forward, Miles Turner at center, and Paul George at that three spot. Shooting guard position seems like it would still be Monte Ellis, unless the Pacers decide to move away from him after just one season. That remains to be seen, but if not, that's what your starting lineup will probably look like. Jeff Teague, Monte Ellis, Paul George, Thaddeus Young, and Miles Turner. Then it's on the Pacers officials next month to go out in free agency and improve that bench. That was one of the big issues for this team last year. They have Stuckey, they have C.J. Miles, they have Lavoy Allen, and they now have George Niang. That was their pick at number 50. Their only pick in Thursday evening's NBA draft. He's a power forward out of Iowa State University, and that's what we're going to be talking about primarily on this podcast, as I'm joined by Iowa State head coach Steve Prome. He's going to join the podcast to school us up a little bit on what the Pacers are exactly getting in Niang. Now, he's a two-time All-American. He was the recipient of the annual Carl Malone Award given out to the nation's top power forward. He was a four-year guy at Iowa State this past season, averaged 20.5 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, and 3.3 assists. No one else in the country did that. And you'll see us continue to go back to several things. That he's a guy, again, that you want in your locker room, sensing the theme here, right? That he's a guy that you want in your community representing your organization. He's another four-year guy, which Larry Bird does like, and he's from Massachusetts. His family, big Boston fans, so you know they're probably excited for George to meet Larry Bird and hopefully get on their regular season roster come next fall. But George will play on the Pacers' summer league team, and that's where he'll get his first opportunity to prove to not only the Pacers but the rest of the league that he has a future in this league. He left the Cyclones as their winningest player in all-time history. He left the Cyclones with the second most points in school history. He's a winner, and that's a trait you want all your players to have. So George Niang was the Pacers' selection at 50. Teams that are successful right now put four guys and sometimes five guys that can make plays, and he can make plays. He's a point forward that way. We're excited about that, being able to pick and pop him, and you'll see it in the summer league, and you know, he's going to compete for minutes. We don't see him just as a, a guy that's going to the D-League. No, we, we think he'll compete for minutes. At the end of the year, we said, God, we, we, we need to really improve, improve our overall uh, team IQ. And, and so that was something we wanted to get accomplished with 50. And so on the same week, the Pacers lose another hill. They're over the hill, as some people like to point out. They add another George. So now Paul George, George Niang. And they also added another Young, Joe Young and Thad Young. We'll talk more about the Pacers' transactions, future moves, and what they just might look like come next season in future podcasts. But on this special episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast, I'll be talking with Iowa State head coach Steve Prohm after his first season as head coach for Iowa State and coaching George Niang, and I appreciate him taking the time to do so. Let's get into it. Fresh off the NBA draft and the Pacers drafting George Niang out of Iowa State University, proud to have his former head coach on the Pacers podcast, Steve Prohm, joins me. Coach, how you doing, and uh, what was draft night like for you last night? Man, it was great. Uh, it was a great finish uh, to the draft last night to see both George and Abdul get drafted, and 
I really think Indiana is a perfect spot. I, I knew that he had a chance to go in that spot. I knew Larry liked him. I knew, you know, all the people up there really liked him, understand how great he can pass, dribble, shoot, make decisions, has a great, great understanding and IQ for the game. And, you know, Indiana, Indianapolis, excuse me, is such a great sports town. They love the Pacers. And I'm really excited. I don't think he could go to a better place. Over the last several months, how much interaction, if any, did you have with Pacers personnel, whether it be scouts, Larry Bird, et cetera? You know, I didn't talk with the Pacers a bunch. You know, I know Popeye Jones. We're both, uh, you know, former Murray State guys. You know, he played there. I coached there. And so I've got a good relationship with him. And, you know, when, you know, George did work out for them, you know, I followed up with him just to see how he did. And, mm-hmm. you know, Popeye said he did great and, you know, that they really thought a lot of him. Uh, but just through his agent, I knew Indiana really liked him. And, um, you know, Fred, obviously, being in the NBA with Chicago, have a relationship with those Pacers guys as well. There's probably not a lot of intel they needed to know from me about George. You know, being a four-year senior, understand what he's done over his career. I've said this a lot. I think he's as good of an ambassador um, for the game as that I've coached, of uh, representing the university, mm-hmm. I'm autographed, shaking hands, taking pictures, uh, and really embodying uh, what it means to play here at Iowa State. Yeah, it sounds like he's that great teammate. He's a good ambassador both for the team, the school, the organization, but also the city. And he's a guy that's willing to get out into the community, serve others, and he's a personable guy too. Does that sound about right? He'll be unbelievable. He's great for the culture there. Uh, He'll be great in the community. He'll go the extra mile. Uh, He's as good as I've been around of taking the time. Uh, to give back, uh, really, really humble kid, high, high character guy. Uh, so I think it's a perfect fit, especially uh, what Indianapolis wants and deserves. Yeah, and those type of guys are appreciated around here, I think, more than most. Kevin Pritchard, the Pacers GM, last night talked, and one of the things that stood out to me was he talked about how he wanted the Pacers' overall IQ to improve, and that's what they feel like they really got accomplished, in addition to several other things in the Yang. Yeah, their IQ definitely uh, improved. You know, he helps you become a better coach, obviously because of the talent level. But from a standpoint of when he's on the floor, you know, he can help you initiate run offense. Uh, he sees mismatches. He can get you into office offense. Excuse me. He can change offense on the fly, and uh, he can do more. You know, he can score obviously a bunch of different ways. But you know, he can dribble. He can pass. He can help break pressure. Um, you know, you can initiate offense through him. Uh, he understands pick and roll coverage. He'll understand scouting reports. Uh, he's just, he really is brilliant. When he's done playing, I'm sure he'll, I joked that senior day that this is the next head coach at Iowa State, and hopefully I can stay here 10, 12, 15 years, so then he can replace He's a four-year guy, two-time All-American, a been-there-done-that kind of guy. Was he someone that you'd lean on to pass a message along to your team? Does he exhibit those type of leadership qualities? Great leadership, and it's really a lot through example. I think the one thing that they'll appreciate the most about him is his eagerness to learn, his willingness to learn. Uh, He really, really gets in the gym and works on his game. I mean, weight room, court. You know, he he puts he is very very invested in becoming the best player he possibly can, and just kind of following Larry Bird as a young young kid growing up. You know, you can see a lot of the parallels to why I'm sure Larry appreciates his game and is excited to have him. 
the big knock on him, obviously, was his athleticism. But it seems like he makes up with that in, in so many ways. We talked about his IQ. He can also shoot the ball, not only from uh, mid-range, but beyond the arc, and, and do those intangibles. I keep going back to the word crafty. Is that sort of uh, a good word to define Niang's game? You can say crafty. You can say skill. You can say smart. Uh, but he's a winner. You know, I mean, you're looking at the winningest player in the history of Iowa State. He really, and Fred Hoiberg deserves a ton of credit for bringing this program back to where it is now. But George is the one steady force over the last four years being a high school guy coming in that's helped this program get to where it is today uh, on and off the court. Like I said, second uh, all-time leading scorer, first all-time in wins, been in the Sweet 16 twice, uh, won two Big 12 tournament championships. Uh, he just, he has everything. He has all the intangibles. I always say character, toughness, and ability. If you have those three things, you can do something special. He has each one. And when you talk about winning, that's just a, that's something. If I was in, in management, that's something I'd look for right away because we can teach you a few things. He has the smarts to to get in the weight room and follow a game plan, but just to have that winning mindset is something that is very much appreciated at every level. Yeah, he's a winner. Uh, he's a winner, but he's a he, but he's a winner in every area. You know, he's he's high character, great family, uh, great work ethic. Uh, but you look at his career here at Iowa State. I mean, he came here. They had been to one NCAA tournament in so many years, and now he goes to four straight NCAAs, two Sweet 16s, and you're the all-time wins leader at a school. That, that's big time, and he did it the right way. You know, he's always one that's proven people wrong, high school, uh, college, and now in the NBA. You know, I didn't know where he would get drafted. I knew there was a selection of teams that understood his game and appreciated his game, so I knew which, which is what pool of teams may take him, Indiana being one. Uh, but I always said that he will have a long, long, successful career in the NBA because of his skill level, because of his IQ, and most importantly, because of his character and work ethic. Coach, how much involvement did you have in his old whole draft process over these last couple of months? Are you making calls for him and providing as much info as he'd like, but also stepping away? No, I just, you know, I take a backseat approach. Uh, you know, he had a great, he's got a great agent, and uh, the Wasserman Group and 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 Mokhtar Njai and and those guys do a terrific job. And so you know if they needed some, they'll just call me and and I can follow up to to help in any way. But obviously, I field a ton of calls uh, from a lot of different teams, and everybody just said the same thing about how much they enjoyed his interview, how much they enjoyed talking with him, how great he was in his workout, how skilled he is, how great of an IQ he has. And so you know, I just really just reaffirmed everything that everybody already knows about him uh you know he's been a really really successful player here for the last four years so kind of what you see is what you get and so i'm just really proud of him you know only got an opportunity to coach him one year but uh you know hopefully i was able to help him in a small small way you've talked about some of his accomplishments a two-time all-american uh a carl malone winner for the best power forward and that's an interesting thing when you talk about the nba especially is the evolution of the game a little bit around the small ball or more so having a stretch four that's something the Pacers really needed. Has Niang always had that uh, a good shot, a, a comfortable shot from outside? Through his four years, I saw statistically, he's always about 39-40% range. Yeah, he. I think at his freshman year at Kansas, they joke about he made the first three threes of the game. He kind of looked over to the bench at Bill Self was like, hey, this is easy. <laughs> and so uh, I think that's 
I think that's just been in his DNA for a long time. He's been able to fast dribble shoot for a long time, and you know Fred was able to you know see that in in high school and and did a great job getting him names. And he's also an outstanding free throw shooter for a big man, which in the game is certainly uh, something that is appreciated more with the hack a shack that's gone on a little bit lately. Yeah, you foul him. He's probably going to make about 80, 90% of them. So you're probably not going to want to foul him or do a hack a. There's not going to be a hack of George. He, he makes big free throws. He makes free throws at a high clip. And, you know, he can make decisions late game, you know, under pressure, under duress, in traps, in double teams. You know, he can find the open man, has good size and really good vision. When you're calling upon him, you need you know you need a bucket. What situations do you put him in where he really excels, Coach? Space the floor, get at the ball to him at the elbow, and just get out of his way. And so that's really it. Uh, we ran out. It's funny. You know, I was my first year here, so, you know, you become more comfortable, you know, with your team as you go throughout the year. And so we were playing Little Rock in the NCAA tournament to go to the Sweet 16, and, it's probably a two, four, maybe six point game. I can't remember exactly. And we ran the same, we call it elbow. And that's just isolate George at the elbow. We ran it about five straight times. And he either got a bucket, two point bucket, three point bucket, or he assisted on one or two buckets. And that, that stretch that George had in that game, the last five minutes of the first half, it took us from about a five point game to a 16, 18 point game. And that was the difference. On the other side of things, for him to get to this next level and keep improving his game throughout the summer in summer league, what are a couple of those things that you know he's going to really have to improve upon? Well, he'll, whatever he's got to improve on, whatever the coaches tell him, he'll he'll buy into that from day one. And you know, I'm sure he's got to continue to get his body better, which it's already improved so much. I'm sure he's got to continue to get you know bigger and stronger uh, from a weight room standpoint, um, and then just understanding the NBA game better and he'll just do that day by day and uh but he has all the other intangibles you know the skill level the skill set the uh the ability to just do so many different things on the basketball floor he's a special player he, he's going to be terrific for that city and uh, I, I can't wait to you know hopefully get up and see a game at some point a funny conversation with Kevin Pritchard Pacers GM last night as I said he mentioned how Niang was crafty, and he goes, yeah, sort of like my boss, obviously referring to Larry Bird, and then Niang's obviously a Massachusetts native, so combining those two, Larry got his guy. There's no question about it, and that's probably, you know, and I didn't, when I text back and forth with George last night, we didn't talk about Larry, but him being a Boston guy, uh, his family being, you know, living up there in Boston, you know, aunts, uncles, his mother, I'm sure that <laughs> him being a part of Larry Bird's organization is probably really, really surreal and really, really cool. He was certainly busy last night. Did you have a chance to talk, or was it simply text last night? Uh, we text, we talked. He was, uh, you know, with a couple of our guys from uh, from down here. A couple of his teammates went up there to spend the spend the day with him. So I called him real briefly, just two minutes. Congratulations, and then we exchanged a nice text this morning. I'm just really proud of him, you know. Uh, we were, we went through a lot together this year. He always had my back and tremendous, tremendous leader, and that's why we were able to, to finish up strong and have a good run at the end. I did want to ask you about your Cyclones program, especially with the, the ties to the Pacers. Former Pacer Fred Hoiberg, now in the NBA as the Bulls head coach after a season under his belt. He really got that program rolling again about three, four years ago. You took over for Hoiberg last season once he left for the NBA. 
What would you attribute the Iowa State basketball success to? What has really enabled you to continue that magic and get into the Sweet 16 this past year before losing to top-seeded Virginia? I mean, it's it's about players. Uh, I mean, anywhere you go, if you win, you've got great players. And then system, you know, Fred did a great job of, you know, really spacing the floor, giving guys great freedom. Uh, that's how I've been, you know, kind of trained as a head coach is, you know, give guys great freedom, uh, let them play through mistakes a little bit, uh, really spread the floor, spacing being very, very important. But it all starts and ends with great players. And, uh, you know, you've got guys like George Niang, Abdul Nader, who was always drafted. Those guys, who was also drafted, excuse me, those guys are terrific players. And so, you know, we just got to keep the talent level high and continue to do the right things on and off the floor, uh, recruit kids with good character, good toughness, and good ability. And if we do that, space the floor, keep the game simple, uh, and defend and rebound, you know, we'll continue to do some good things around here. But, you know, Fred and I always, you know, I praise him a lot. He's, he did a great, great job. And now I've got to, my staff and I've got to do a good job of continuing this tradition here. George, have any nicknames that you can share that we should know about? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I can't say it on the air. Me and him got one between each other, but I won't <laughs> say I, I, I can't say that on a podcast okay. or on the radio. But, um, you know, G, George, Niang, I mean, they, the players may know better than me, but I either just refer to him as G or George. Uh, he usually just call me Hey P. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you, you're getting a special, special person. Uh, and you've been a great, great player. And so uh, that, that city should be really excited today. Hey, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time here. Not 12 hours after Niang was drafted, one of your former players, to discuss his game and provide insight on just exactly what the Pacers are getting in George Niang. Hope you're able to get to Indy for a game next year. Thanks, Coach. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Good stuff there from Coach Pro. Shout out to this week. We'll go to soon-to-be former Pacer, George Hill. I've really enjoyed getting to know him. Certainly over the past uh, four, five, six years during his time in Indianapolis, he's given back so much. And we'll remember him. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. We'll remember his contributions that he's made as much on the court as off of it. On the court, the hometown hero, a guy that was all about the team. He wasn't going to lash out. He wasn't going to speak badly about any of his teammates, about his head coach at all. He was in it for one goal. He was in it to be there with his guys in one fighting cause to win and to win a championship. Unfortunately, that did not happen here. His time here got a little old, and he's ready for a fresh scene. He's ready to move along, and I think being a new environment with fresh faces, it's going to be a situation that works out for both parties, I think, and those are your best deals. Jeff Teague badly wanted to be back in Indy. He wants to be here at home, and so he's going to get that. George Hill, he's had a great run here as a pacer, as the hometown hero. And so you can't help but appreciate what George contributed to the city of Indianapolis and probably will continue to contribute. He had his sideline soldiers. He has his backpacks for every three-pointer he made. He has his Indiana Members Credit Union commercial. The countless times that he would give back to 34th Street, where he always says he grew up. Remember his song that he created with Mike Epps and the guys, All Gold Everything Pacers? That was pretty funny. And I can't tell you how many times... After George Hill did something to help the community, he wanted to do it anonymously, so he didn't allow the word to get out. He just wanted to give back and help others because, as he would put it, was blessed to be in the situation that he is in. Remember one Christmas a couple years ago, he went to Toys R Us and bought presents out of his own pocket 
asked Chris Copeland to join him, and then went back home to 34th Street and out of the back of his truck in a park, gave out Christmas gifts to try to help make the holiday a little bit better for those in his former neighborhood. He didn't always like talking to the media. He didn't mind it if you weren't talking basketball. And it goes down to the very end. I saw him at the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500, and he was great to talk with. But he didn't want to go on the record talking anything basketball. He had no problem talking about anything else, the lake, what he's up to, what he was doing that day with New Era Caps, being at the Indy 500. But basketball, that's not what he wanted to talk about. And I understand that, although for my sake, I wish he would have. So my shout-out to this week goes to George Hill, the hometown hero, the Broad Ripple IUPUI product, co-leader of the G2 Zone, and the one that gave us that great phrase whenever the Bulls are in town, it's mustard and ketchup. Subscribe to the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify. Again, wherever you like to consume podcasts, we have you covered. Thanks for listening to this special episode, and I'll talk to you again next week.